Well, well, back at it again. Design Huddle, myself, Ryan Warner, and Mustafa. Mustafa, how do you say Hello. your last name again? <laughs> it took me about two years to learn how to pronounce that. It's Kurtuldu, which means um, one who has escaped or freedom. <laughs> oh, that's cool. What what's uh what's the uh what, what like what's your where's your family from like what's that uh, like the origin of your last name? So, oh, well, it's quite sad and bleak to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as everything is a story, and it's like uh, flashback. Um, so my mum's Cypriot and my dad's from Macedonia, but they're Ottoman Turks. Uh, their original surname was Osmanovsky, but when they had to migrate. I mean, they were forcibly relocated during like the communist regime was basically the way to solve problems would be to put minorities on a train and just send them away. Um, yeah. So it's when terrible. they got to Turkey and this was like the beginning of the Cold War, anything that sounded like Ofsky, <laughs> it sounded super communisty like to like. So they forced this um, surname on them, which means escaped or freedom because they escaped from the communist regime. Um so yeah, it's a very it's like what you might call an immigrant name. So whenever you see these kind of names, they're very odd, but then you automatically know, okay, this person come from Eastern Europe or wherever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's that's my name. That's not really my name, or well, it is his, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, no, that's super. I I never I've never asked you that before. That's super interesting. So what does Warrender mean, we, please? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, my last name's pretty. Uh, I think it's Warner Scottish, um, but okay, yeah, I'm not really sure. I wish it was like Ender of Wars because like everyone because it's literally War Ender, but I don't I'm think it's anything oh, wow. that cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, one who yeah, escaped and the one who ended wars. <laughs> yeah, speaking UX. <laughs> All right, transitioning back to the internet. So on Design Huddle, we typically cover two things: it's either UX design or just general internet tech news so this is a little bit more on the tech news side so if you are more interested in design tips go check out one of our other episodes but if you like tech news this episode we got you covered um there's a really cool uh visual article that i recently saw from input um james uh Peruo, Peruo, i don't know if that's how you say his name but this author did a really good job um the title of it and we'll link it in the show notes is this psychedelic data visual shows the wild evolution of the internet and it's it's actually fairly difficult to like describe how it looks so we'll try to be descriptive but it's a full screen like good word (laughs) yeah it's super trippy like it's a very like psychedelic um we're good thing we're doing this on a friday probably need some drinks or something like (laughs) but anyways (laughs) um Um, Anyone familiar with the phrase dial-up can tell you that the internet has come a long way since the 90s when the web was a place you could only visit with one very large, probably gray box. So I I wanted to ask you this article like is mostly just like reminiscing about growing up on in the internet era that we did. What was your first experience like with the internet or a computer that you were like? you know, they, I don't know, maybe sparked a passion or something that you became more interested in? Uh, so it would have been back in 1996 <laughs> in art college. And email was, and we just treated email like a chat room. So they'd be like, I'll be one end of the computer lab and someone be on the other. And yeah. we're send, like, literally sending like 
what would be the equivalent of SMS messages. Hi, how are you doing? Then looking over the computers and laughing because this was the most amazing thing. <laughs> it's really sad. Yeah. Um, and then seeing like Yahoo chat rooms with microphones. And what was the, <laughs> the weirdest observation was how quickly abusive people got. Like oh it just gosh. seemed like this, just like swear, just swearing for the sake of swearing at each other. It seemed like this ability to be anonymous without any consequence well, it's just 2021, and we still have that problem. <laughs> we have plenty the, of. I mean, we were kids, warriors. basically. Like, we're, we're talking about 16, 17 year olds in art college. Because in the UK, like our specialism, we we leave um, high school for us ends at 16, and then we spend two years in what we would call college, which is basically preparing you for university, and which you leave at roughly 18, 19, and then you go do your the thing that you're going to study proper. So it's almost like a portfolio building thing. So the art college space. We were like 16, 17 years and just seeing people just laughing, saying, say this, this and this, like the most abusive, like South Park swearing, basically. Um, yeah. But it was because it was just it was funny that you could actually say this to a complete stranger. Like it was almost like a novelty, which you think, wow, nothing has really changed in 20 years. Um, and so then from there, the actual proper experience of the World Wide Web would have been 56K modem dial up someone phones basically that this game of starcraft is over um yeah and just... i mean computer games like just mentioning starcraft like i would say my love of computers came from computer video games yeah the fact i i've i just could not get over the fact that i could click a mouse and then control actions on a screen and then create strategy around it so when like the yeah. whole blizzard warcraft starcraft Absolutely. like versions came out it like change the way that I looked at computers. So I, that's very relatable for me, but go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of like, just viewing the web, I mean, because it was such a novelty, we'd, we'd go to like wrestling websites and just print off pages of photographs of these like WWF or WWE wrestlers. And just eventually after six months, throw the paper away, because it's like, why am I doing this? It's like, oh my God, <laughs> we can print these pictures of these wrestlers. I don't know why. Um, it was kind of weird. I suppose it's just the novelty of being able to access anything instantly. I mean, that was... Well, like... instantly, but it was like people were much more patient. Because you remember, like, if you did, like... Uh, I still remember it being, like, like the uh, AOL, like, uh, yeah, like I guess, so like, like, the authentication phase where it would go through everything. It took so long. And then if the... I don't know if this happened for you, but when, our, when the phone rang, you'd get disconnected from the Yeah, internet. all the time. Yeah, that was. I'd have to tell my parents not to pick up the phone, and then, um, the, especially in StarCraft, when it's like the game goes into that dialogue of like countdown of death, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> um, but then when I was 19 and like the beginning of my university, one of the there was a new guy who joined um, class, and he had start. He I think he came from a more computer science background, and so he was showing me like HTML code, and this looked like the Matrix to me, like. It's amazing thing. Um, and I went, you're actually able to change the thing on screen. And it's weird. I mean, in hindsight, it's like, why didn't you know this? But it's kind of like, if you've never had any kind of careers advice, the idea that someone could be a doctor or a football player, is that a career? Like it never really, I sounds really, I was really naive and, and dumb as a kid, but it didn't really occur to me that this could be actually a path because I come from like the proper project equivalent <laughs> proper ghetto so uh, which sounds silly in a british accent i'm from the ghetto don't you know um <laughs> but 
because I never had access access to these things. Seeing like you, that's what the great thing about university. You meet people from different backgrounds, and he showed me HTML, and it was like it's so cliche. I wrote the blink tag, which made tech, which doesn't work anymore, but that makes text flash. And he said, "I oh, just upload it to my free server." And then seeing the wet, I was like, "Oh my god!" And that moment, I think nineteen ninety nine, that was it. I was no longer a graphic designer. I was going to be a web designer. Um, and so, like this, uh, this obsession of how to control what's on the screen has been like the biggest bane of my life. <laughs> like because for the first generation web designers, everything you learn about print, layout, typography, that all went out the window. You had no controls like table layouts. Um, so and then obviously the rise of Shockwave, Director, Flash, yeah, and, you I know, so forth. That. Yeah, so I mean, um, so seeing these things are quite reminiscing of like the World Wide Web, and it kind of I hear it just as the rise of Flash, really. Um, and like to look at the the visualization, it looks like if you were to look at, um, I think they're like viruses under like a microscope, and you see all these like fractal colors. The first image is, yeah. it reminds me of like a, like a viral, like an organism that you're looking at. Yeah, um, and I think that's part part of it too. Is so. The visualizations come from this guy named um, Barrett Lyon. He's a designer and founder of uh, the Opti project. I'm probably not doing his name or his project justice, but it uses real IP data to show visually how the internet has grown from 1997. So it's funny that you mentioned 1996. So 1997 to me is like peak old school internet um, <laughs> until now using yeah. the colors of like like nerves so it, it almost looks like how you would imagine like the brain works where it's like you know it's you know um it's like firing like different um you know neurons back and forth that's kind of what the visual looks like but it's just super cool and i think the main thing is you can see the different like um i, forget, I think it, it, get, it gets into what the the colors uh like the, the meaning of the colors are but um, going through this, I was on my um, desktop monitor and the visuals were just super compelling. So I just found yeah. myself like kind of staring at them for a while. Oh, here it is. But each color of the web represents a different network. So blue was yeah. North America, green was Europe, red was Asia, orange was Africa, um, and white representing the backbone network that connected them all. So that's the yeah. other cool part. It's showing the world as like this interconnected place and like that's the coolest part about the internet is that there's just a series of connections so seeing it grow is wild and i think the thing that's amazing is that you can obviously imagine um you know latam asia africa have all really kind of gone up of late um, yeah people have probably heard the phrase the next billion users um but it, it's just I, I think the reason that i like this is one of course the internet has grown dramatically two more people have access to the internet than ever and then um three is it's still with every with those first two i'm still shocked with how many people still don't have internet access at the same time yeah. where there's still a large pop a large portion of the population that um doesn't have an internet connection doesn't have a mobile phone like which seems wild to me in 2021 but that's still the case well, the other thing is, is like the way that we um, use the Internet is vastly different. So you have like rural places in India where it's not uncommon for a mobile mobile device being the sole device in a village and multiple people using it. So um, this is basically a way in which people access the Web through shared devices, which kind of reminds me of maybe 
late 90s, early 2000s internet cafes, which kind of died out as everyone had internet access. But like imagine like a mobile phone, which in terms of experiences, the concept of accounts no longer become viable because if you've got 20 people in a village using the internet for whatever reason, mostly probably informational, like directory services at that point, then it just tells you like the experience of the internet is wildly different. And then you have like um, other countries, I suppose like Nigeria and, and Ghana, where the traditional model of payments and verification of payments is through SMS messages. So that's like a legacy technology that any internet experience has to build on top of because that's the payment service. Like people don't commonly have bank accounts or credit cards, but SMS is the way that they validate who they are. So it's just interesting at how these um, cultural things of the internet is vastly different depending on the, the, the region that you are. Or even like if you just look at the way people buy stuff online, like um, when we were trying to design like, like payment checkout stuff, it's like, uh, some parts of the country you don't actually pay until the goods are delivered so you pay the delivery driver which I thought was like wow like, there's that wild. trust model where because there's a fear that the person's going to take your money and run so you have to wait for the goods to be arrived if you don't like it then you just give it to the driver and they just you know they don't charge you for it and then you have um, uh, installment payments like some countries like Brazil and Turkey where uh, you won't you, you buy a pair of jeans but with 30 installments which again blew my mind but then if you look at average earnings it makes sense because the goods are still the same expense, but the average earnings is not the same as, say, in the UK and America. So, therefore, this idea of monthly payments or installment payments on, on a pair of shoes or jeans is quite common. And some people, what they do is they pay, they go to a supermarket, they'll buy something, they'll pay, and then they'll come home, and then the stuff is delivered to them. So, you have all these kind of cultural things um, of way just a simple action of buying something, which is wildly different. Um, and so, and also, you see like the way we, we treat the internet as well. So, in Europe and America, it's a very similar thing where the web is this like giant library of stuff. Whereas in Asian countries, you have these super apps, which are based on services that people access. So WeChat, basically, it is like, you know, you do your taxi service, your food delivery, <laughs> your Amazon equivalents, yeah, everything wild. is within this app. And you, this concept of um, the internet is like the, the, the app is the browser, but it's only like fisher price style browsing where there's like five buttons and that's all that you really do but that's the internet for that's the experience of some of these people so it's it's interesting how it's evolved based on cultural things and i think maybe it's like when we spoke about language uh previously perhaps the way we type is the thing that hinders these experiences like like i mentioned before arabic is hard to type out because there's different dialects it may be the same for indian and chinese languages therefore this kind of big button like imagine if um the old school phone boxes where you have nine or ten buttons and then like right. hash and whatever but each one of those buttons is like um social network food delivery service uh streaming service because it's harder to add another level of search and discovery on that and then there's government restrictions and whatnot so yeah and no, i mean um i find all this stuff quite interesting i hope we're not boring anyone <laughs> No, I, I, I mean, we're both internet nerds, obviously. We'd spend, Absolutely. We spent a lot of time on the internet, so. <laughs> Too much. Um, yeah, just to, to wrap up the visualization piece, because, I mean, the biggest thing that I want to talk about was basically, like, how much the internet's grown, all the opportunities it's brought. And, um, so, the, basically, there's a quote from Barrett Line, the guy that made these visualizations, that he says, now I hope this map will be a teaching tool on why we need to build 
a new internet with new core principles built into it. The internet is woven into our society and by changing the internet, it's possible to change the world. Basically his argument is just to continue to evolve the internet to make it a place for everyone. And that it's this, you know, that's this uh, fluid, always shifting place. Um, so we need to continue to make it better and more accessible for everyone. So the underlying theme I think is, is very interesting. And then obviously the visual growths are just kind of like, they're, they are super psychedelic is the best way of describing it. So they're pretty trippy if you, if you check it out, but see, um, I, 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 that sounds all good, right? <laughs> this is where I'm going to be controversial and disagree with this guy. Um, yeah, no d- disagreements are allowed. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh, one who likes war. Um, the orcs <laughs> there. um, I think when it comes to designing stuff, you need to wrap the experience around the person rather than the person around the experience, which sounds really um, hipsterish. I'm, I will make it will make sense. So if you look at um, one of my friends who I want to get on the podcast at some point in the future, his name's uh, Gordon Bandera. He has worked at Mozilla uh, and Google and other few places and has di- designed brow- like multiple browsers. Um, oh, that's cool. And he gave a talk on. Um, he had this amazing slide and it had like ancient babylonian uh scriptures and it looked like it was on the palm of someone's hand and it looked like the iphone like side by side and it's like these are basically information discoverers right and it's, it's basically the same size and it's like nothing's changed in 2000 or 10,000 years or have, i don't know where babylonian this wait, is wait, where... it was wait it was a piece of it was a piece of stone like with etched in like yes like a graphics. scroll but etched in but oh. it was the size of of a phone um, it's so funny. It's a, you, you just see like a meme, like original iPhone. Yeah, and they had the, the iPhone next to each other, and it's like nothing has changed in terms of ergonomically. You need your, if you think about it from a conceptual level, someone's basically absorbing information. They're the same height, same size, and it's like you know perfect to actually hold. It's because you have to wrap around technology around the people. You can't if you were to make it like this massive, huge tablet. It's no one's going to read it because it's just not ergonomic to do so. So um, when he says, like, we, we want to uh, wove society and change and change the world, maybe I'm reading it literally, but you can't change the world. You have to adapt for the environment people are in, right. maybe changing people's ideas, like if you're trying to change political ideas. But then that doesn't that sort of moves away from what this whole experiment that he's done. Um, so I'd say you have to evolve around the per- like wrap around the person and we've spoken about the design system things in previous episodes yep. um and like the the different layers and levels of design systems that like we post that on instagram as well so please check that out uh so i think you always have to wrap around the person um and so like again it's like two different ways of, of accessing technology you have the asian way which is the super app and again this is quite like stereotypical like with cliche but just to simplify the message it's like a keypad with five or six different key apps that they use and you have the um the western way which is extremely chaotic based on this idea of freedom of speech but you have this search bar which you have to figure out what it is you're looking for in the hope that you find it but that's part of the parcel of the freedom to do whatever and these are completely two different things and the uis and that's been designed for both of these audiences are wildly different and one doesn't necessarily work in the other because it doesn't understand the cultural intricacies of that society so Again, maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I am the one who wants the war, Warinder. Um, but it just feels that you, to change the society isn't by changing the society; it's working with the society 
to yeah. progress no, the I society. I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I actually think it's a fair point. So we should reach out and get them on the podcast and you guys can have a live debate. I'll be the moderator. And scream at each other. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like the good old days of the internet and the Yahoo. I remember I know, right? was Yahoo War Room, I think it was called, where people just... And I'd, yeah, I'd listen terrible. on it and people just... AOL <laughs> chat rooms. It was absolute yeah. chaos. I mean, it was funny. Like, basically, it, it almost was like, imagine two comedians just roasting each other. Yeah. Um, but the but comedians then, didn't know each other or couldn't see each other. <laughs> and were incredibly xenophobic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is just like, you know, the one thing I would say about this website that's annoying is I have like a scroll wheel on my mouse and it, mm-hmm. I can't just automatically scroll to go from these different... like Because the presentation is like the Instagram slides that you have where you're just tapping one thing to get, oh, which so is you, nice. On your, on your mouse, you can't do the... It won't auto Mouse and really thing. Mm, yeah, no, it's, it's, that seems... Uh, and I use... That I, I like don't know, that's just me. Yeah, no, I, I use that a lot to scroll. So, um, no, so do I. That, that's interesting that you can't. Um, and the other thing is like, I love these kind of presentations, but do you really absorb the information in the way like i suppose it's almost like if someone was to redesign the way we read books they instead of open it from like left to right or right to left that is top to bottom would that be annoying like like would that disrupt the way we absorb information i would say that this style is actually reflecting how a book works like where you're turning a page and the internet we are actually doing that it's like a vertical scroll like we're basically having vertical books and now it's moving back to like more you know, tappable landscape books, but, um, I mean, maybe I, this is this, it's best yeah. for a tablet or touch device. Like, is this is perfect for touch. I mean, it's, really it's, for... it design, it's, the, it looks amazing to check it out on mobile as well. Cause it's tappable yeah. on mobile. I prefer it on mobile, but I think it's very cool on desktop as well. I, I am in the habit. I've been, I use, I like this format for, I've been using this format for a while, but if you tap left and right, you can also use the arrows on your keyboard, which I think is also kind of cool. Like similar really? to like a slide, like a slide deck. Okay, all right, that 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 improves it a bit. Yeah, um, I'm, being, cool. I'm so, being too cruel. <laughs> no, 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 it's totally. I mean, it's new. You gotta you gotta be critical of new new trends when they come out. Um, yeah, please don't check out my website. It's terrible and out of date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roast it. Um, yeah. Anyways, so one other topic I wanted to touch on that you and I were talking about is the new San Diego Zoo logo. Pretty sweet. Um, it just came out. It's fairly new. If you're not familiar, if you're not, if you don't live in the U.S., I, I'm pretty sure the San Diego Zoo is known as like the best zoo in the United States, and if not one of the best zoos in the entire world. Um, let's leave the ethics of whether or not zoos are good or bad for this conversation. We're gonna stick strictly on the design side of it, but the logo itself um because obviously most people are listening but if you're watching we'll we'll show it and if you're um in anchor you'll see the show notes at the bottom where we can link out to it but it says san diego zoo and then the logo has three animals kind of like that are thoughtfully um i guess hidden in the logo i mean how would you describe this musafo i describe it imagine the starbucks logo but with a lion (laughs) yeah yeah it's got the it does it does have like the exact color like the exact green it looks like starbucks green and then there's like the three animals i guess it's a rhino a lion and then the top would be i guess a bird a penguin or an eagle maybe 
the first time I heard San Diego Zoo was in the film Penguins of Madagascar when Alex the lion is angry that he might be in the San Diego Zoo because there's a lion that he has to compete with. So when I, I when I heard it, I thought, oh, this is a joke thing. But then it's like, no, this is an actual real zoo. So, um, but yeah, so the um, it looks like a cutout, maybe etching. If, uh, like the I can't remember the artist's name. Where there was like these uh, pictures that I used to see in art college, where there was two images, and the goal is to find both images because uh, it's like maybe be like a woman standing and then a man at a desk. But you have to see because it uses like this silhouetted effect. So it's like a the the first image you see is the the white lion, and then below it is like a cut into a rhino, and then a bird or a penguin, one of the two. I'm wondering how yeah, many, but how many animals is it? I think it's it says it's three, but it's cool because they keep the design, um, I guess, language for lack of a better word, throughout the entire zoo. So the idea is that there's hidden animals inside of other animals. So it's like. San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance is all about saving species worldwide. That's like their tagline. So they have different animals. And then there's a silhouette of like, there's a bear and then a silhouette of a penguin between the legs. So it's like, it's like a playful visual. I mean, it's, to me, I like it. I think it's like reflecting the nature of being at a zoo, right? It's like fun. It's creative. You have to find the animals. So I also like that like visual metaphor. You have to discover a lot of times when you go to a zoo, you're staring at a cage or space for a while to find the animal. So I like that. This is like a visual representation of that. Obviously, it's a little easier, but um, they also designed their own typeface called Animalistic. And I think it makes more sense when you actually see the posters where like there's a polar bear and a penguin like it's hidden into one poster. Um, there's like an eagle and a, I think it's like a, a duck. And then you have a. Yeah. A monkey or a baboon with like a, a small pheasant type bird <laughs> next to it in between the legs. Uh, but it's like that becomes part of the, the discovery thing. And I think that that makes it quite conceptual and really nice where, like you said, people are always looking for the animals. And now it's like you're physically doing it while on the street, on the road, wherever. Um, and so that like when you, this, this is the challenge of when you look at these brand these branded logos in isolation. It's sometimes very basic or simplistic, but when you see it in the context of where it sits, that's when you understand the whole message of what they're trying to achieve. And the more like the most likely place you're going to see it will be on a poster or an ad or whatever. Um, yeah. And then you look at the shape is like the round shape is perfect for most formats, web, mobile, desktop, whatever, because obviously brands have to evolve to be in multiple spaces and multiple shapes. Uh, if they're not just singular logos anymore, um, yeah, and they have to transcend that. Because before, the, the the classic thing for logos back in the day was um, you'd always have to print it or photocopy it a couple of times over just to see legibility because most things were faxed. So you wanted to make sure that a brand is legible when it's being faxed. In today's right. world, it, that doesn't really apply because we don't fax anything anymore. But a, a brands have to be flexible in different spaces. So even conversational UI, how does the brand still transcend there? Uh, so you can see why this has been updated and why brands typically have this um, more flexible approach to how their logo looks is because yeah, of what's going to Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great, great summary. So, um, final, final review: thumbs up, thumbs down of the new. A thumbs up. That's yeah. that's really, really, really cool. Like, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's it a thumbs up. It's very cool. Makes me want to go to the zoo um, as well. Maybe we'll go so, together one day and film live from the zoo. That would be very cool. 
Um, cool. So that's it for this episode. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you haven't done so, do us a favor. Go to either um, leave us a review on any anywhere you listen to your podcast. Follow us, subscribe. It helps us a ton. We're looking. Uh, you, we've been. I've been producing Design Huddle for over a year and we're getting very close to getting the place where we can bring on sponsors so we're close so we need your help just to get us to that next level so either like subscribe or share any episode and we would greatly appreciate it follow us on social we'll link in the speaker notes below and we will catch you on the next episode of design huddle thank you for tuning in and we will catch you next week peace when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.